This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, producing the show. Uh, got a new presenting sponsor, Mike. How about this? Uh, my friends at Monarch Meds. Uh, so, you know, the CBD craze is gone. It's all over. The- I have had so many different opportunities to jump into this kind of CBD. Cra- I, and I just never felt right about doing it. I just was, I didn't have the relationship. So a buddy of mine who's been in this business for 20 years um, approached me, gave me a bunch of pain relief stuff that I, it's aerosol pain relief spray. They've got a cream as well. It's, um, it's absolutely incredible. It really, I mean, I use it. Here's what really sold me. So he gave it to me. He said, just use it. And I've been using it for a month or whatever. My wife started using it. She's got a wrist and something else that's bothering her, something in her back that's bothering her wrist. And she swears by it. Now, my wife doesn't use anything. My wife doesn't drink. I mean, doesn't have a sip. She just doesn't do any, She won't take pain meds. She won't. Like, there's nothing that my wife takes. And she is like, this stuff is a miracle. It is. It has totally helped me. So, MonarchMeds.com. Uh, make sure at checkout you hit the promo. Just put in Stink. That's it. S T I N K, and uh, get twenty percent off plus free shipping. I could use some of that. Got a got an old trick knee. Well, do you? I, got, yeah. I know a guy. I got. I, I know a guy got, that can. Got a trick knee back. Old basketball injury. <laughs> old hoops. Would have gone pro if it wasn't for this oh, knee. Oh, this trick knee. That's right. This stuff will help you. So monarchmeds.com. Also, our great friends at Superbook for America's best bet. Just because the football season goes away. Now, Mike and I can't help you anymore by going against our picks. Although, if you had listened to me for the Super Bowl. Right, but I took the Bucks. I would have taken the Bucks too, but we went for all the marbles. So you picked first. Somehow you get a pick first every time. You took the Bucks because that's where I was going, and um, and I took Kansas City. Although we both thought Kansas City would win, we thought it would be close. Yeah, I hey, nobody thought this, right? I mean, did wh- mm. where is your level of shock, stunned, right? That the game went down the way it did. Well, you know what's what's interesting is I told you kind of the key matchup to this game. And I, you know, I've, I've talked about this on multiple platforms across the country, but we talked about it on the Stinking Truth podcast. I said, Todd Bowles, his whole situation is I'm going to bring pressure. I'm going to pressure you. I'm going to tie my back end and front end together exceptionally well. And we may give up three big plays, but we're going to make eight big plays. And that's going to get us over the top. What I didn't realize is they wouldn't give up one big play and they would make eight, nine big plays. I mean, it was incredible what they were able to do, Mike. The um, what did they do? Oh, yeah. Lay it out. For okay. Us. What was so, what I, was the game plan? I went back. I went back through my my uh, coach's film study and um, got the game downloaded. Coach's film downloaded and just started grinding through every defensive call so you know what they were in up front um 
what they ended up doing from a pressure standpoint and what coverages they played. And it was the variety of coverage was was there was a lot of variety, a lot more than I, I initially TV copy. You never see exactly what's going on. So when you get to the coaches film, you saw, you know, how often they were playing. They played a lot of two high safeties. They played, you know, they played cover two man. So that's that's a five under all five guys under all five guys who are being released have a man to man coverage underneath with two high safeties over the top. So you're really funneling your safeties over the top of Tyreek Hill and over the top of Travis Kelsey. And and the other guys are in man, right? So a lot of two man. Um, you saw cover two, just a basic cover two, where both safeties have the you know the deep half of the field and both corners jam and roll up underneath, and they're the flat cover guys. Um, you saw some quarters, so four across. When you have four across, you have three underneath. And I think ultimately, you know, and, and, and some there was some cover one and cover three, and some other you know some other principles. There was a, a play in a cover three early in that game. Where they ran, you know, somebody to smash underneath on that corner, and and it was Carlton Davis, and they ran kind of almost a, like a skinny corner route off uh, off the back of it. So it's a high low combo. So I think it was Hardman running the corner. It and, was, and and so anyhow, um, he's wide. I mean, he's literally wide open because Carlton Davis stopped on the smash underneath. Right, he stopped his feet for a second. He's got the deep third. So anytime you have a deep third, one of the things you always try to do, or anytime you're in, in cover three, if you run like a corner and a flat underneath it or something to draw the attention, something to draw the attention of that corner and get him to stop his feet, you can hit that, you can hit that area of the football field. Um and it was just a missed throw. It was a bad throw by and Patrick Mahomes had plenty of bad throws, almost perceived pressure. Um if he keeps it, you know, if he puts a little air underneath the ball and keeps it down the numbers, it's a touchdown. And he throws it toward the sideline, really flat and kind of a bullet. And it just was over the outstretched hands of of Hardman. And um and you know, Carlton Davis came in late and flashed, but he did he couldn't defend that. If if it would have been a good throw, it's a touchdown. So there was there was throws like that, there was problems like that. But really, you know, the thing that that impressed me the most, Mike, was just how how in sync that defense was, the speed and disruption of routes and timing. And even when they were playing zone and they weren't getting their hands on the receivers, so when they're playing two-man, I mean, they're jamming the receivers, they're, they're getting their hands on the receivers, they're being very aggressive with, with disrupting routes that way. But when they were in zone, and they were off coverage, they still did a great job of disrupting routes, which is like that, that to me is the thing that probably set them apart more than anything else. So what I mean by that is you think about this, you study your drops, where you're supposed to be from a a drop standpoint. So if you're a hook defender, you know, are you, you know, 10 to 12 yards deep, two yards outside the hash, right? Or, or, you know, wherever you're supposed to drop. And your ability to get there um, quickly, but your ability to expand that. You know, we always go in, like you think about anything you've ever done. At first, you may do it like 
textbook, like you're hosting a show. You do it textbook. You do everything by the letter, right? Mm-hmm. And it's textbook. But you listen back to it, Mike, and it's not great, right? It's just, it, it's good, it's okay, but it's not great. Their ability to expand their zones and to, and to recognize, based on formation and motions, what the Kansas City Chiefs were going to run, and then get into the passing lanes, where Patrick Mahomes goes, bam, 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 sets up, he's ready to throw it, he's triggered, and he's like, ah, shit, I can't throw that one. Like, I thought, when I watched their linebackers in coverage, and a lot of it was kind of almost a matchup, so some of it looked like man, but it was really zone that they just matched up in that area. When I watched their linebackers, if their linebacker or their, their nickelback, their nickel defender was a like a, a, a flat defender, and watched them basically take an angle where... As soon as Patrick Mahomes, like, he he went to go throw to the flat to the back, and that it's covered. Like, you know, hey, man, I'm going to complete this, but it's going to be for one yard. And then he just pulls off of it. And he pulls off and he goes, okay, let me go to my, you know, let me go to the next read my progression. But then it, that's where the pressure came in. Cause right. Because here, here's what I'm hearing. Just I'm just a fan. I'm just uh-huh. a layman. I'm not an expert. But you're you're talking about the game plan. And I know that Todd Bowles has got a lot of credit for the game plan, and I'm not trying to diminish that. But I can't believe that they threw a bunch of things at Patrick Mahomes that he's never seen before. But what allowed it to work was just the pressure up front. Yeah, And that is the great neutralizer of any great quarterback, is that if you can get home with a four-man rush, and there could be pressure coming up the middle at a guy's feet, that real pressure or even the perceived pressure... What that does to even the greatest of quarterbacks. And then it allows all those looks that you're right. giving to really start to confuse and, and get into a guy's head and, and, and cause bad throws and normally throws that he would make in his sleep for touchdowns. I think the, I think the thing, it's interesting you even bring it up because the thing that when I'm calling games, the things that really work, like if, if you get instant pressure, no quarterback can overcome instant. Like right. you get somebody hitting you in the teeth before you're ready to throw, you're you're done, right? Um, but I think I think that they were so good on the back end of either disrupting the routes at the line of scrimmage or disrupting the routes based on their drops and based on their understanding and knowledge of what route was coming that they would get into that lane, that throwing lane right now. Okay. That that allowed that defensive line. That linebacker, that that the extra pressure guy, right? The fifth guy that they insert, which they do consistently, it allowed them then to affect the quarterback. So the initial the initial read was open. The or the initial opportunity, right? He didn't have enough pressure. It wasn't instant pressure. It was secondary pressure. And so the coverage did such a good job of taking away that first throw. And then that's sinking the front end and the back end together. And that's what I thought they were tremendous at, just sinking those things up. But, again, it's how your defense is built. You know, everybody everybody looks at this like a blueprint. Right, right. Like, oh, this is a blueprint. Like, we sit in Denver, and part of, part of kind of my takeaway of, okay, this is a blueprint to beat the Chiefs, right? Here, here we go, the blueprint to beat the Chiefs, yes. And then I start to look at it and say, man – Jason Light, the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that scouting staff, what a job they have done when it comes to building that defense. 
I mean, what a job. Because when you start to look at what they've picked, whether it go all the way back to the Levante David pick in the second round, then you go to, you know, Vita Vea and Carlton Davis, Vita Vea in the first round, Carlton Davis in the second round. You go to, you know, Devin White in the yeah. first round and then and then Sean Murphy bunting in the second round, right? You go through all these picks that they have made, they have hit. And then when I watch them play nickel or play dime to Kansas City, three wide sets and Kansas City's, you know, what they, they've got three safeties in Whitehead and Antoine Winfield Jr. and Mike Edwards that can flat out play. And then they got three cover corners in Jamel Dean and Murphy Bunting and then Carlton Davis. Like they have got depth and they have got athleticism and they've got hard nose, good big time football players. Yeah, so great. There's a blueprint out there. And if you too can go out and find seven or eight real plus players right. on your defense, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's exactly good it's luck. Exact, it's exactly right. I mean, I just look at what they've done and the choices they've made, not only in free agency, Shaq Barrett on a one year yep. deal. Give me a break. Like he guy then he had nineteen and a half sacks and they got him on another one year deal, right? Or so like what they've been able to do, or they've got him on a franchise deal this year. Uh and Dominican Sue. The what he I mean, he has dominated a lot of scrimmage. Vita Vea, I mentioned, is a first round pick. Devin White is shot out of a rocket everywhere he plays. JPP off the scrap pile from the Giants. Remember, this guy broke his neck a year ago, was out. He broke it in May, was out for the six, first six weeks of the season, and comes back and almost gets double-digit sacks, and then again this year goes to the Pro Bowl. I mean, they have done a great job mixing the free agency, but the biggest thing is they've they've drafted exceptionally well. So we are a solid, what, 15 minutes into this podcast, and the name Tom Brady is now being mentioned for the first time. Isn't it incredible? So I get it. Brady's the headline. Mm-hmm. He was the MVP. He cemented GOAT status. But when you look at this game... Is the defense the story to you? The, the defense held Patrick Mahomes and the prolific Kansas City offense to nine points. Nine points. It's the first time that Patrick Mahomes has ever been beaten by double digits. Seattle beat him by seven. That was the largest margin of, of loss for Patrick Mahomes. What was the final score? 31 to nine? Yep. It's a 22-point differential. This defense was exceptional. Here's the problem with voters, though. Okay? Because not one guy, like, totally filled the stat line. Like, Devin White had an interception, right? Mm-hmm. 12 tackles. 12 tackles. He, he, he well, he filled it up that yeah, way. Yeah, he filled up the, yeah. Now, but you I have, get what you're saying. You have a couple of sacks or maybe yep. two interceptions, or you, you take a pick six, you know, one of those things. Then maybe it is. I thought Levante David. Levant, he was incredible. When he was asked to cover, he's the first guy I've ever seen consistently cover Travis Kelsey man to man. Now there was Travis Kelsey got his catches, he got his yard. Most of it against most of it in the second half against kind of, hey, we're gonna give up we're gonna give up completions for time on the clock. Yep. That that's what they were saying. And most of it versus zone. That's where he got the majority of his cast. I thought Levante Davis was great. Um, Devin White was phenomenal, flying around, making tackles, making all those plays. I, I tell you, the, the other thing that you can't monitor, Mike, is the throws that he was in the alleyway of that ended up becoming somebody else's sacks or somebody else's throwaways. 
Like there were so many times that he had the flat back is wide open. This is the first guy that uh, the back is wide open in in NFL parlance, but he sees Devontae White coming or excuse me, Devin White just like with a rocket strapped in his ass. He's just flying over there, and and he's like, shit, I can't pull the trigger on this. Yep. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be a one yard gain at best. And so he pulls off of that, and then all of a sudden, bam, pressure's in his face. Now he's scrambling around for his life, throwing some, you know, off-kilter, off-angle throw that uh, probably should be complete but isn't. Like, Mahomes was incredible with some of his off-platform yep. throws. But getting back to Tom Brady, I think the, I think there's a couple things that are really cool to me. And, you know, we talk so much about leadership but oftentimes we don't know exactly what what that means, right? Tom Brady comes in, and Bruce Arians, I've talked to Bruce Arians about this. Like Bruce Arians can say, I can say the exact same thing. And it kind of is in one ear and out the other. Tom Brady says it to the same guy I just talked to, and it is cemented for life. And Tom Brady comes into a situation and allows those guys, those guys were hungry. They wanted to learn how to win. They want to learn. They knew how talented they were, but didn't know how to necessarily win or overcome the mistakes of Jameis Winston. And they allowed themselves to be led. Here's our guy. You tell us how to do it. Remember, one at one point they were seven and five. Yep. And then never lost another game. I think that's. I think the leadership aspect. And you were here. I mean, talk about. You 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 were you were here. I was doing. I was working for ESPN at the time. I wasn't doing local radio, so I wasn't covering the local team. But you were here when Peyton Manning was signed, and what that did to the Broncos culture. It's it's identical. It, it really is. Everything that I'm hearing people say about Brady's impact with the Bucks is everything I witnessed firsthand with Peyton Manning, where literally I, I went out for his first OTA. This was in May. OTAs. And his first day, it was like night and day. Like the culture changed overnight. Right. There was a new level of intensity, a new level of optimism, but a new level of professionalism, a new level of accountability. And you could feel it. It Mm -hmm. was like something tangible that you could see. And I mean, that was just for me as a, observer just covering the team can you imagine what it was like for people inside the building inside the huddle i can't imagine how it felt so i think the two are very similar and i can absolutely understand the impact i'm watching mike evans um after the game is over and there was a level of almost uh reverence that evans was displaying like you, you could see his his exchange with Brady right after the game, where he's saying "thank you, thank you," and it was so genuine. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for 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 giving me a chance to experience in this and 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 show me what what it took. And then when they were doing the trophy presentation, Brady's up there talking again. I, I the camera panned on Evans for a second, and he was looking up there like a kid. Yeah, and you realize the impact that those special athletes can make not only with their own performance, but just how they impact an entire organization, an entire culture. I did four Tampa games this year. Mike Evans was one of the guys I talked to. And reverence is a great word. The reverence that he had for Tom Brady. And and, and Mike is a real competitive guy. 
And, you know, Mike has a, a, a reputation of he can be a bit salty, you know, mm-hmm. from that competitiveness. You want to talk about a guy, like, completely humbled that he was playing with one of his childhood idols, Tom Brady. Like, you could just see the impact that Tom Brady had. And speaking of impact, Mike, just I think one thing rang true, and it's always rung true for me as an NFL analyst and an NFL player. And I, you know, I was blessed to be on three teams that that won Super Bowls. Um, but I will tell you this, uh, and and this I think is is pretty much par for the course. You show me a team that will dominate the line of scrimmage, and I will show you the team, regardless who their quarterback is, that wins. Now there are the outliers where somebody does something that's extraordinary, but. You know, you look at that game, that was a physical ass-whipping. I mean, a physical ass-whipping. And it's so funny because I tend to be a bit conservative because I believe in that style of football. You know, I'm watching the Kansas City Chiefs take timeouts at the end of the first half with 49 seconds left, and Tony Romo's like, they just, oh, Jim, they just want to get the ball back, Jim. You know, I mean... And I'm screaming, Tony! Yeah, and I'm screaming at the the TV, going, "Don't stop the clock for that guy!" Right? You've gotten your ass whipped the entire so far. The entire first half, they have pummeled you to the point where they left one drive at the one inch line that they didn't score on. So you have just physically gotten dominated, and. You're going to sit there and go, yeah, let's get the ball. Like I'm like, no, let's get in the locker room and recover. Let's lick our wounds a little bit. And so, but that's my conservative nature. Right. And they've overcome things before under Andy Reid. But, you know, what they did to the Green Bay Packers the week before, two weeks before, with the last eight seconds and, and you know, throwing the touchdown to Scotty Miller. I was like, no, get yourself in the freaking locker room. I will say this. We have praised. Kansas City and Andy Reid, we have praised them for two years, right? And rightfully so. They've been exceptional. But I'm telling you, that was horrible from an adjustment standpoint. Your lack of adjustments during that game, your your, your football hubris, if you will. How so? Well, what, what did they fail to do? How did... How did... Ego and hubris get in the way. Nine carries, 7.1 yard per carry. That's what Edwards Hilaire got. You average 7.1. Tampa, even when they're playing, even when they roll down and play a single high look, Mike, their linebackers are flying out to get to their spots, flying out to defend the pass. And you, you gave it to your back nine times? You don't want to run the ball. You wanted to win the game the way you win the game. We're going to just rely on our quarterback to win the game. You've got a you've got a patchwork offensive line, and ninety two percent of the time, you had five guys out in the pattern. I mean, you don't set up any play action off of that stuff. I bet you if you look at 29 attempts by by Tom Brady, I bet you 70 of them were in in, in play action. 
because they dominated the line of scrimmage. They ran the football. They got into two tights. They made the Kansas City Chiefs defense play base. And they attacked in, in two tight formations. I call it West formation, but they attacked the edge in those in those scenarios. They made the corners come up and say, get involved. And you know what the corners don't like to do? Oftentimes, be involved. So you gotta tackle, you gotta tackle Leonard Fournette and, and Ronald Jones. Good luck. And we're just gonna keep doing it. And I'm I'm telling you, it was like the tale of two of two football teams. One that said, hey, we're gonna be physical, we're gonna run the ball, and we're gonna set up our play action. The other said, hey, we're gonna rely on our quarterback. And how do you not adjust? Tampa didn't have to adjust. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs never adjusted. The, be, and, and you're saying because they chose not to. They chose not to try to adjust. Dude, you averaged 7.1 yards per carry, and you gave your back nine t- All right, nine so attempts. if I'm a Chief fan listening to this right now, I'm, I'm asking the next, why? How do you allow ego in, at that moment? Because it can't be stupidity. It, it It's got to be... Stubbornness. Yeah, I think ego. Why? Right. I like I said, football hubris. We're going to win the way we want to win, and I think I think part of it is because you've done it so often, Mike, that you just believe you're going to do it. And of course, they were probably emboldened by how they handled deficits last year, right? Where they were able to escape. Maybe they and just also, figured, hey, this is no different. And also the way they dismantled. Tampa Bay earlier in the season in, in that, I think it was a week 12 game. But that's, that tone shifted after the first quarter, first half. I understand that, but you think, hey, we're going to get this matchup, we're going to get this matchup, we're going to win, you know, and, and I, I think you can't, like Patrick Mahomes' injury, I think that played a, that played a part, small part, but a part, but you got to throw it better than you threw it. Um, you know, he made some remarkable plays, there's no question about it, but again, if the defense that you're playing is basically saying we're gonna we're gonna major in two two high safeties, meaning you know Mike Shanahan always used to say it, if they're gonna play us in this two high safety, we're gonna beat the shit out of them. Like we're just gonna beat the shit out of this football team until they get out of it. Right. And then we get our one on one matchups on the edge. Then we get our one on one matchups down the seam. Then we you know we go we go verticals and we make that safety choose which side he wants to go and whichever shoot whichever side he he chooses in the middle of the field we go the opposite way and we eviscerate this team. Like those are the things that you constantly talk about as a football team. And the fact that you didn't do it did you not want to do it? At 7.1 yards per carry, did you just not want to do it? Like, Or did you think that – and this is another problem. You're down, what, at halftime, 21 to, to – was it 21 to six, 6 or something like that? Do you get to the point where you're like, well, we don't want to take the time because we, we have never had to to put an 8-10 play drive together and eat up four minutes of clock and just run it down your throat and set up play action? Like we don't want to. We just want to score in a minute twelve, like we always do. And so you just relying on what has worked in the past. But I think what you have to under understand is, hey boys, we're physically getting whooped. I mean, this is a this is an ass whooping. This is like my dad used to say, "Don't make me take you behind the barn, right? Even for your ass whooping." <laughs> don't like they took him behind the barn. Yeah. And at some point, Mike, when you've been taken behind the barn. You got to turn it into a street fight. Yeah. 
You've been in a fight where you're getting your ass whipped, and you, you just got to go, hey, man, I got to go I got to go Tasmanian on them, right? Just go, <laughs> yeah! Just all over the place. You got to go Tasmanian devil. Like, you didn't meet the physicality and the nastiness with physicality and nastiness. You tried to finesse it. And I'm sorry. Isn't it? Isn't it remarkable that in a year in which the NFL was, was never as – Offense driven as it as it's been this year. It was a, a year for the ages offensively. Right. All kinds of records were set, shattered yeah. for offensive numbers, right? Yeah. And yet at the end of the day, once again, when it comes to winning a championship, what rules the day? Defense, hard nosed defense, and just being tougher and more physical than the other guy. Being able to win the battle. As old of, yeah. as time itself with right. football. Still yeah. works. It's like a Still Disney works. movie. Still works. A tale as old as time. That's tale, yes. The you, old ways are still the good ways. It is Beauty and the Beast. And guess what? Beast wins out. Yeah. They went beast mode on them. They won out. It's like a Disney show, man. And um, and and that really is what, to me, what boils it down. Hey, man, if it, if it comes between physical and finesse, physical is going to win. Most of those battles. Hey, we'll get plenty of, we got the whole offseason to, to look ahead to, but 30 years plus playing and covering this game. Mm-hmm. Put a capper on it. You ever seen a season like this? No. I mean, one for the ages, wasn't it? It was, it was amazing. And here's the deal. You like, um, I personally, am I petty? Yes. Right. I look like the, I. I think that this Super Bowl. See, I blamed you and I both blamed the Chiefs for opening up the pandemic. That's right. They're to blame for twenty twenty. Right. They're to, to blame for twenty twenty. <laughs> they won the Super Bowl and all hell broke loose. Right. I mean, nobody was used to it. They they could be they could be the stopper. They could be the finger in the dike of yes. the dam. Right. Because if they had won again, yeah. I mean. Now all of a sudden, apocalypse. Right now, all of a sudden, the world can right itself. We can right. get right back on the right axis now right. that they've lost. Right. So yeah, am I petty? You're damn right I am. Listen, <laughs> w- why? Well, because I played in the AFC West, uh-huh. and the Broncos are one of seven teams that have won back-to-back championships. I don't want another AFC West team to win back-to-back championships. No. So ha ha ha. Um, I feel good about. I feel good about. I was a big, huge Tampa fan, huge Tampa fan on Super Bowl Sunday. So you put a capper on the season, Mike. In all its imperfection, it was perfect. It was perfect, man. I was so proud of the NFL and all the players and all the coaches and everybody on the support staff that made this thing go off the way it went off. It was like, uh, like. Sean Payton told me once, "Hey man, the circus is gonna the circus is gonna go on. So we got to do our job." I was proud to broadcast it. I was proud to be a part of it. I was proud of of the league in general um, because it is um, it is America's pastime, and it is something that we all look forward to, and it is part of our it's it's part of the fabric that weaves us together as community. So I was happy to be a part of that, and um, I tell you what, I just uh, really excited about them getting through the season. I can't wait for next year. Well, uh, don't don't get too comfortable because we've got free agency. We got the mm-hmm. quarterback carousel. We got yeah. trades. We yeah. got the draft. As I'm always like to remind people, the NFL is a 365 day a year beast that needs to be fed. There's there's no question about that. Hey, for all 
um, of you. Thank you so much for listening to this all season long. We'll be back uh, later on in the week. We're going to continue to do two of these a week um, for our uh, presenting sponsor, the great folks over at uh, Superbook for America's Best Bet. Also, like I said, Monarch Meds, monarchmeds.com. Make sure you use the promo code uh, STINK. S-T-I-N-K. Uh, oh, I, I forgot. It's Relief Spray, Relief Cream. Um, phenomenal products. Really good. Uh, top, top notch. I mean, top notch products. Um, the, the Relief Cream and Spray. It's something I've been using, something my wife's been using. Check that out at Monarch. Uh, monarchmeds.com. Make sure you use the promo code STINK for 20% off and, and uh, free shipping. 20% off free shipping. Uh, for everybody involved in the Sing the Truth podcast, we appreciate you. We'll be back with you later in the week.